The Tortoise and the Hare Hare was fast, and he loved to run. Every morning, he ran to his job at the post office and then ran around the village, delivering packages at top speed. At the end of the day, Hare ran back home. To relax, he ran a few times around his garden, and at night, he dreamed about running. The only thing Hare loved apart from running was talking about running. He loved talking about how good it felt to be the fastest animal in town. Not like poor old Tortoise. Tortoise was slow, and he loved sitting. Every morning, Tortoise got out of bed and shuffled slowly to his job at the post office. All day long, he sat at his desk carefully stamping packages. At the end of the day, Tortoise inched his way home. To relax, he liked sitting in his armchair with a pot of tea nibbling cake by the fire. When he dreamed, he even dreamed that he was in his armchair with a pot of tea nibbling cake by the fire. One afternoon, Tortoise was in the middle of stamping a particularly bumpy package when Hare burst into the post office shouting, I've had the most brilliant idea. Tortoise sighed as the package slipped and fell to the floor. Now we all know I'm the best runner in the village, said Hare, but wouldn't it be fun to have a race? One of you might just be able to beat me, he added with a chuckle. I'll challenge you, Tortoise said slowly. All the animals in the post office turned around. Hare stared at Tortoise in amazement. You want to race me, said Hare. Old, tottery Tortoise. But you might expire. And what about the poor people watching the race? They don't want to have to wait until midnight to watch you go by. Hare clutched his stomach and roared with laughter at his own joke. I'd still like to try, said Tortoise firmly. Well, that's settled then, said Hare, grinning from ear to ear. Let's race. Tomorrow. And he ran off home thinking about the victory ahead. He'd never have an easier race in his life. That evening, Tortoise's friends tried to change his mind. They knew that Hare would win the race by far. And then he'd be more vain than ever. But Tortoise had made up his mind. The next morning, Hare and Tortoise met in the village square, and Tortoise gazed up at the enormous map of the race. The course was many miles long, further than he had ever even walked before. He stood quietly at the starting line as Hare bounced up and down beside him. On your mark, get set, go, shouted Badger. They were off. Hare sprinted forward and within minutes, he had disappeared in a cloud of dust. Tortoise put one foot in front of the other and trudged across the start line. He was walking even more slowly than usual. Must pace myself, he muttered under his breath. Mustn't wear myself out. Meanwhile, Hare sped ahead. Soon, he was miles in front of Tortoise. As he reached the crest of a hill, he stopped for a moment and looked back along the road. He could just see a tiny green speck, hardly moving in the distance. Poor old Tortoise, he said to himself. It will be hours before he catches up. It was a beautiful day, 
and Hare spied a pleasant shady spot under a tree. There's no point running in the midday sun, he thought. I'll lie under the tree for a moment and have a quick nap. Miles behind, Tortoise plodded along. His feet were sore and his legs ached, but he was determined to finish the race. The hours ticked by. Hare slept. In his dreams, he won race after race after race. As the sun set behind the hill, a shadow fell across Hare's face. He opened his eyes and yawned and jumped to his feet. The race, he shrieked, suddenly wide awake. The race. Hare dashed off down the road, running as fast as he could. He ran through a village over a hill, and soon in the distance he could see the finish line and a small green speck hardly moving close to it. It can't be, he thought. He ran faster and faster, faster than he had ever run in his life. Slowly but surely, Tortoise put one foot over the line, and Hare came dashing in a split second behind him. A huge roar went up from the crowd. Tortoise is the champion, Badger shouted. Hare, you lost by a whisker. Slow and steady wins the race, Tortoise declared. He had a quiet smile on his face as he shuffled home for a pot of tea and some cake in his armchair by the fire. The end. The Ant and the Grasshopper All summer, the grasshopper chirped among the flowers, dancing from blossom to blossom. He was green, long-limbed, and beautiful. Bright as an emerald, his body glittered as he leaped in the sunshine, and his voice soared in a song of glorious music. Scurrying in the undergrowth, the ant was busy. He was gathering wheat to store for wintertime when food would be scarce, and all the other animals in the woodland would be hungry. Work or starve, said the ant to himself. It's as simple as that. He had to pluck each ear of wheat and every seed and carry them one by one, again and again, hundreds of times, to fill his cellar. He was tired, working so hard in the heat, but he never gave up. He was thinking of his family. He wanted them to survive the winter. When winter clutched the earth with icy fingers, the grasshopper didn't feel like singing or dancing anymore. He was hungry, but there was nothing to eat. The ground was hard. The trees were bare. The grass was withered. The flowers were dead. Summer was forgotten under a blanket of unforgiving snow. The grasshopper came across the ant, such a plump, happy, well-fed-looking creature. Please, begged the grasshopper, have you any food to spare for me? I have nothing. Why not, asked the ant. What were you doing all summer? I sang, said the grasshopper. I danced. You sang, you danced. Very well, sneered the ant, turning away. Play on. Why won't you help me? I worked while you enjoyed yourself. You were lazy and thoughtless. Why should you benefit from my toil? But I'll starve to death, wept the grasshopper. The ant took pity on him and gave him some corn. Just remember, there's a time to work and a time to play, he said. Perhaps next summer you'll think about that. Oh, I will, promised the grasshopper. The end.
the mouse and the lion. One hot, sleepy afternoon, a little mouse was scurrying through the forest. He was in such a hurry to reach his cool, dark mouse hole, he didn't hear the rumbling snores or see the toothy jaws ahead. And bump, he ran straight into a sleeping lion. How dare you disturb me, growled the lion, enraged to be woken. He gave the mouse a threatening glare. I should eat you up. I'm so sorry, squeaked the mouse. If you let me go, I promise I'll repay your kindness. Ha, ha, roared the lion. How could a tiny mouse help me, the king of the beasts? You've given me such a good laugh. I feel like being kind. Run along now before I change my mind. The little mouse didn't hesitate. Off he scampered and never looked back. A few months later, he was in the forest when he heard an angry, muffled roar. The lion, he thought, and it sounds like he's in trouble. He was right. The lion had fallen into a hunter's trap and was helplessly tangled in a thick net of ropes. Nimbly, the mouse climbed up and sank his teeth into the rope. He nibbled and gnawed until, snap, the lion tumbled free. Thank you, sighed the lion, smiling down at the little mouse. You saved me. I was wrong to laugh at you. I see now even little friends can be a great big help. The end. The Boy Who Cried Wolf Looking after sheep has never been the most exciting job in the world. But it wasn't until Nico sat on a cold, windy mountainside and listened to the sound of 28 sheep nibbling at some grass that he realized just how unexciting it could be. He tried whistling and discovered he couldn't whistle. He tried chewing a piece of straw. It tasted horrible. There was nothing he could do to change the fact that watching over sheep was dull. To make matters worse, he could hear sounds drifting up from his village in the valley. The sounds of his friends shouting, singing, and laughing. They were all playing together while he was sitting on the top of a mountain with a hungry belly, a cold wind, and 28 sheep for company. As the day went on, Nico felt more and more sorry for himself, and then a slow, sneaky smile spread across his face. He jumped up and started running down the mountain. Wolf, he shouted. There's a wolf. A wolf is attacking the sheep. The villagers heard him yelling and dropped what they were doing at once. Grabbing brooms and sticks, they all came scrambling up the mountain. When they got to the top, they were red-faced and sweating, heaving, puffing, and panting, but they were ready to fight the wolf. All they saw was a small boy, laughing and clapping his hands with glee. Tricked you, he said. I've never seen anything so funny in my whole life. It's not funny at all, said the baker. That's because you couldn't see yourself running up the mountain, said Nico. The villagers were not impressed. Grumbling loudly, they strode back down to the village. The next day, Nico was sitting on top of the mountain again with his herd of sheep. 
feeling utterly bored. I shouldn't. I shouldn't, he thought. I really shouldn't. I definitely shouldn't. Wolf, he shouted, unable to help himself. Wolf, he yelled at the top of his lungs. It's really here. It's enormous. Help. Not all of the villagers came running this time, but most of them did, just in case. Again, they brought their mops and brooms and sticks to scare off the big, bad... Oh, there was no wolf. When they finally got to the top, all they saw was the herd of sheep and Nico. This time he was laughing even harder. I can't believe you believed me, he said. That was so funny. It wasn't funny at all, said the villagers, scowling at them as they stomped off down the side of the mountain. On the third day, Nico was back on the mountain. There's just nothing to do here, he thought, except look at the sheep and the wolf holding on. Wolf? Wolf? For the first time, there really was a wolf. It leaped out of a clump of trees and ran towards the sheep with a murderous gleam in its eye. Wolf! 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 Nico yelled, running down the side of the mountain. Wolf, he screamed as he ran around the village square. Come quickly, help me, help. Not one of the villagers moved. The teacher slowly turned over a page of his book. The butcher rolled some sausages. The baker iced a small bun. Help, Nico begged the villagers. Please help. But they all ignored him. And so, eventually, Nico had to walk back up the mountain alone. He was dreading what he would find when he got to the top. Sure enough, the wolf had done its worst. It had killed most of the sheep, while the others had run away. Nico sat down, put his head in his hands, and cried. When night fell, some of the villagers went to look for Nico and found the terrible scene. Our sheep, they said, our poor sheep. Why didn't you help me? Nico asked in a small voice. But he already knew the answer. You always lied to us, so we didn't believe you, they replied. I've learned my lesson, said Nico. I'll never lie again. The end. The Country Mouse and the Town Mouse Johnny Town Mouse put his paws in his pockets and whistled to the wind as he sauntered down the country lane. At last, he came to a door in the hedge, half covered with ivy, and knocked. Surprise, he called as Sam, his country cousin, unlatched the door. I've come to stay. Then it's time for a feast, cried Sam. He gathered up nuts and berries, cups of dew, and pieces of honeycomb laid out on a rush green plate. Johnny Town Mouse put his nose in the air. Oh dear, he sneered. He flicked away a berry with his paw. This isn't my idea of a feast. And where am I going to sleep? He pointed at Sam's mossy mattress. Not there. That is where I sleep, Sam began. No, no, this won't do, Johnny Town Mouse declared. I think I've had enough of your country life. 
Let's go to town and live like kings. The mice ran to the station and scampered on board a train. It pulled away with a jolt and a blast, rattling over the tracks. Sam gazed out of the window. He watched as tall trees turned to houses. He sniffed smoke and sausage on the air. We're here, we're here, cried Johnny Town Mouse. They ran across the station, dodging between stamping feet. So many people, thought Sam, his heart pounding with fear. They ran down dirty pavements, past belching buses and vrooming cars, until they came to a towering townhouse. Impressed, asked Johnny, casually pointing his paw. Very, nodded Sam. Now, said Johnny, I'll show you a feast. He led Sam to the dining room and the table groaning with food. Sam's eyes grew rounder and rounder, and then they began to eat. Ice cream and pie, chocolate and cheese, huge slices of cake topped with strawberry cream. Sam clutched his tummy and shut his eyes. How wonderful, he sighed, to live like this always. You think, purred a voice in his ear. Oh no, cried Johnny Town Mouse. It's the cat. The mice ran this way and that. After them pounced the hungry cat. Quick, called Johnny Town Mouse, into this hole. Oh, my paws and whiskers, said Sam, sinking to the floor. Please take me home. Back to the station they ran, dancing in and out of rushing feet. And Sam dashed onto the train. He looked out of the window and waved to his cousin. Goodbye, goodbye. Johnny Town Mouse ran beside the train. Stay with me, he called. Sam just shook his head. The train chugged away, leaving the city behind. Finally, in the dark, starry night, Sam reached his hedge. All was quiet, all was calm. He sniffed the cold, sweet air and smiled. Better nuts and berries in peace than cake and cream in fear thought Sam. This is the life for me. The end.